Hey everyone, and welcome back to my Blackadian universe. Uh, this is going to be the last episode for this season. Um, I it is part two of uh, talking about what the pandemic means in relation to racism. So yeah, let's talk about it. So last week. Um, I shared with you one of um, my favorite quotes from one of my favorite books, um, The Fellowship of the Ring by Tolkien. Um, And uh, for those of you that don't know, it's a, you know, famous old book and um, it's about like destroying this evil ring and... um, it falls to one of the characters to do it. Um, and, you know, he says, uh, his name is Frodo, and he says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And uh, Gandalf, who's, you know, his sort of guide and very wise wizard, you know, says to him, so do I, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And I, when I first read this, I, you know, got chills because it's so, um, it's so powerful. And I think everybody um, who's lived through difficult times, you know, you always, you know, tend to think, oh, you know, why is this happening now? I wish it hadn't happened. But you know, that's out of your control. All you can do is decide what to do with the time that's been given you. And I think that really, I, you know, I read this so many years ago. Um, I've reread it many times. And um, it's the power of those words have never been lost on me. And it's something that I've been going back to. Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> some time I have reread um, the books uh, <laughs> during the pandemic. And uh, it, it immediately came to my mind um, back in March 2020, when things were getting shut down. And the weight and seriousness of uh, what was happening, you know, everyone was thinking like, oh, it's going to be like a couple weeks and then we're going to be back to normal. And then as you as you were seeing what was unfolding in other parts of the world, uh, when it dawned on me that that was coming uh, here to Canada, um, to America, to the whole world was going to be, you know, stopping. I thought, what am I going to do with this time? What am I going to, what am I going to do with this time? And, um, you know, it's scary. It's a very scary thing. And um, I also watched, you know, I, I wanted to come out of the pandemic, you know, feeling like it wasn't, you know, a waste of time, a waste of year. I wanted to come out on the other side better and stronger. And, you know, that that's sort of um, what I've been trying to do, um, helping others and sort of uh, seeing 
who and how much pe- people I could help. Um, you know, I've changed careers. I've talked about how I've now been able to focus more on um, anti-racism in my career, which has been professionally, which has been uh, phenomenal for me. Um, so happy <laughs> with that change. Um, but yeah, I, I've also, you know, noticed that it's been an awakening for so many people. So many people have seen um, the systemic barriers have been highlighted during this pandemic, you know, who's getting care, who's getting sick, um, you know, and it's been a, a BIPOC people that have been getting ill and sick and being out on the front lines at a disproportionate rate than uh, white people. And for some people, that's been an awakening. That's been a wow, wow, like look at how our world has been built to advantage white people and disadvantage uh, BIPOC people. You know, it's been clear as day for some people um, (laughs) their whole lives. But what the pandemic has done is for some people has been an awakening and I, it gives me joy. And, you know, I talked about that last week and uh, it's an opportunity to choose the greater good um, over yourself. And on the flip side of that, some people have really doubled down on the selfishness, this call to go back to way the things were. And um, it's disappointing, not not surprising, but disappointing, nevertheless. Um, And uh, even, I think I mentioned, I've never heard so much vocalization from privileged people about how they need to go back to being privileged. which has been super um, uh, vexing on my end. Uh, My husband and I, we have like, I can't even tell you how many times we've just been like, "Ah," like we just vent on our thoughts on this because, you know, um, we hear it uh, from a lot of people in our community and the news and just, it's very, very annoying. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you can't play, you can't, you know, send your kids off to school and during a pandemic, it's hard. Uh, but, <laughs> sorry, but you know, it's just, anyway, I could go on forever, but I, I do think, and some of the things that have come out of it, when I do think about these things, I think like golfing has been a big thing here in Canada about golf courses getting shut down. They're like, oh, it's outside and transmission is very low. And the thing is, it's not your call to make. It's a political decision. It sends the message that things are serious. Um, and also it's um, here in Canada, we've been yo-yoing back and forth, uh, especially in Ontario where I am about what's deemed safe and what's not. And people like let it slide. As soon as you say like, you know, schools are open, people pretty much mean that's everything. I don't think the nuance um, of yes to some things and no to some things are lost on people. And um, 
I think that was sort of the messaging behind uh, shutting down everything. It's like, look, you couldn't handle it. You effed up people. And now you're locked down. (laughs) And, you know, it sucks. It sucks. I'm not going to say it's been fantastic, but it sucks. But I I think it's also been, you know, a message. People have been acting a fool. And now we're all paying the price for it. So, but something that has been brought to my attention, which I thought was great, was that, you know, uh, although the golfers are being more vocal for themselves from selfish reasons, people have been looking at that and saying, you know what, it's actually a, um, a message that people that don't have access to public spaces, you know, the golfers not really our primary concern. We're talking about people that live in close quarters, small homes that don't have, you know, private uh, personal outdoor space do need um, access to public parks and spaces um, to get out and, you know, um, from being in close quarters with people perhaps uh, more likely exposed to the um, uh, COVID-19 vi- uh, virus. So, you know, those are the kinds of thoughts that um, people have been having around. And I thought, oh, yes, actually, they do raise a good point about access to these kinds of public spaces. But yeah, I want to hear more conversations around that and less around uh, you know, people saying, I just want to go have some fun with my buddies because it's getting warm now and that's what I do every year like I want to um hear thoughts about other people that have it harder than yourselves I want um I want to have those conversations I don't want to hear about you know those kinds of things and uh I wanted to focus though uh this uh conversation this week on um mental health and how the pandemic has really shifted uh, every a lot of people's minds and thoughts on how to be mentally healthy. So, as I do, I like to concentrate on uh, the positives, and one of the positive things that have uh, happened uh, the past over the past year with the pandemic is that um, there has been a growing widespread conversation and more of an acceptance around um, giving space for people's mental health, um, which is amazing. Uh, Mental health is something that has been ignored for so long. The understanding that um, uh, mental health looks different for a lot of different people. Depression looks different for lots of different people. Um, That everyone's experienced it at some point in some form in their life, you know, and the expectation to um, maybe just, you know, oh, you have such and such, or it's not as bad for you, or, you know, those kinds of conversations are changing and growing and uh, understanding that uh, uh, everybody (laughs) needs support in different ways. And um, it's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful thing to see. And um, one of the things that has been 
important um, to understand is about trauma and again racial trauma of racism and I, I think that a lot of people um, we've been having conversations um, and we've been uh, talking with I've been talking with experts and doing a lot of reading um, again for my work about this the post-traumatic you know um, effects of racism that have that um, are experienced by black people um, in particular, but um, other people of color. And what the pandemic has done has shown people the realities of the impact of racism. So, you know, when there's this understanding that, you know, past COVID, uh, people's lives are going to be changed. That this time period in our lives, although is coming to an end, is going to have long reaching impacts for some people. And uh, the connection has been made between COVID and racism, the impacts of COVID on people's lives and the impact of racism on people's lives. So when we tell people that, you know, slavery has affected how people have been seeing black people, have been treating black people, have moved on from slavery and how we move forward from that institution and how it's shaped, uh, our, our systems in North America, when we draw that line for people, because we're currently in a pandemic that's affected everybody, they can see that more clearly. It's that you can see the aha moments, you know, you can see that clicking and saying, well, you're right. How could such a giant thing that everybody at a time was affected by, like COVID, like, like slavery, not change how people moved forward? You know what I mean? Like there were people that are were bitter and resentful that, you know, slaves were now free and able to live full lives. We don't have to look much uh, further than, um, you know, the Tulsa massacre, which, you know, the 100th anniversary was just um, uh, a couple weeks ago um, to understand what life was like back then what people were thinking back then, how um, attitudes were. And, you know, it, it's not that far removed. A hundred years sounds like a long time, but I mean, there are people that have that in their recent memory. I talk about all the times when I talk about like, oh, when you see black and white photographs and they're trying to evoke this image of times long ago, um, it, it isn't that long ago um people know what that feels like that's part of our trauma that's part of my mental health when i deal with racism that is um that's part of my existence when i i go into spaces when i hear people say things to me um 
you know, it's exhausting, it's tiring. Um, and the expectation that I have to work with this person or, you know, not destroy them, <laughs> you know, the burden being placed on me to be like, oh, they they don't understand what they're talking about. That's trauma. That's for me. You know, they didn't mean anything by it or, you know, oh, they're a good guy. You know, oh, I'm not a racist. You just, I'm telling you, bitch, I'm telling you that what you did was just racist. Like, why do I have to um, justify it? And I think uh, one of the most powerful statements um, I heard was, um, you know, when I was talking um, with some of my colleagues on this was they said, I hate, hate having to make a business case for my humanity. And I was like, whoa, yes, that is it right there. Every activist, every book, every, you know, speech, everything that's been said about racism and ending racism is about making a business case for our humanity. And I'm sick of it. I'm tired. This is what people say when I'm tired of it. I don't want to have to prove to you that I deserve things. I just want to be. I don't want to have to prove to you that what you said was incredibly offensive. I just want you to know it. I don't have to now like put some equation together um, to tell you to shut your damn mouth. <laughs> I don't want to have to do that. I'm tired. I don't want to have to do that work. I don't want to have to do the work to prove to you that I deserve equity and treatment. And everybody always says, what can I do? What can I do? Like Google it. I'm tired. I'm tired. Do some work yourself. Stop putting that burden on me. And I know, <laughs> and I know, I know, I know it's work. It's work and um, work that I have to do every day, even outside of the professional environment, um, just by being, and I talk about it all the time, you know, predominantly white um, workforce, you know, I, I have to deal with some bullshit every day. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from, but that's tiring. That's exhausting on my mental health. And what has been wonderful about this shift with um, the pandemic is that people feel it now. People can feel and understand that in a way that um, have I've never experienced before. Never experienced before. And, you know, um, I was giving this presentation about... Um, microaggressions because um, typically that's the kind of daily racism that um, I've had to encounter and deal with. You know, people aren't actively out here screaming, I hate black people. It's microaggressions. And um, we watched this hilarious video, I talk about it all the time. <laughs> this NTV is like, what happened if microaggressions happened to white people? And it's just this hilarious thing. And I, you know, um, where they say like, oh my God, I love white food. It's like, 
so bland. I never get a tummy ache like after and they like <laughs> after I eat it or you know like oh my gosh just like um and this woman she's like talking to this white guy and she's like you know about NASCAR stuff right? Anyways, it's it's so funny. It makes it's like a 2 minute video. Just google what happened what if microaggressions happen to white people? You'll find it. MTV video. It's awesome. Anyways, I use it all the time in my presentations at work. And, you know, we laugh and everyone's like, you know, shaking their head. And um, my coworker, you know, and afterwards I said, you know, it's really funny, but I've had, you know, one, a version of those, all of these things in this video said to me. And you know, afterwards, one of my coworkers came up to me and uh, I came up to me virtually, uh, you know, reached out to me and called me and she said, you know what? I saw, she's like, you know what, Denise, I saw a lot of myself in that video. And she said, I'm so sorry that, you know, she hadn't personally said these things to me. Um, but she said, you know what, I'm really sorry that you've had to deal with that. Like how awful that must have been for you. And I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> and I can tell you that something like that would have never happened before. Um, I've been, you know, working um, in these, this it for many many years and no one has ever felt comfortable a white person has never felt comfortable coming up to me and saying you know I saw myself in that video I think I've said some of that shit to people and you know wow first of all like I, I you know I say like all the time and I say it in sincerity when I say that made my day because it shows me that I've changed someone's mind that I made them look inward instead of outward at me for um, how to make them confront their racism the, the fact that they were like wow I might have affected somebody by this thing that I thought was a totally innocent comment that I said to them so like I was like first of all I said to her like thank you for saying that that made my day because it shells me that what I'm doing isn't falling on deaf ears that it's not a waste of my time that people are actually willing to unlearn and learn from what we're telling them and sharing with them so I said you know that's amazing thank you so much for feeling comfortable to cut tell me anyways we had a great talk after but also that she was like damn you had to deal with that. You had to like continue working through your day after someone said that to you. That sucks. That sucks. And I'm like, yes, it does suck. Appreciating that something tiny like that would affect me that, you know, microaggressions are aggressions. You know, I don't even like micro because they're, it's aggressive. It's just a way of putting me in my place to remind me that I'm different. And, um, it's it has an effect it has an effect and I, I think that um it's important to remember that and I think <laughs> I've told the story but it's such a good one um you know as we're going around um talking to people um uh, we have a team of people that we talk with and um that we do this work um and someone was mentioning that uh they found out that some of their coworkers asked and received a week off because they couldn't handle um, learning 
about some of the um, trauma that was happening to their black colleagues. Um, They couldn't handle it. And so they got a week off. And they were um, two white uh, women who said, you know, this is all just too much for me. I need to take a week off. And uh, we were like, wow, that's, you know, great for their growth, um, that they're taking it seriously. But um, we also, it's great that mental health, again, being taken seriously, and they got the week off. And, you know, I told one of my girlfriends, and she said, where's my week off? To which I was like, right? Am I right? Am I right? But (laughs) first of all, I... uh, I am of two minds. You can hear me, I'm like choking on it, but I'm of two minds, which is great. Great that they are um, affected by this. Great that they're learning. Just as I, I mentioned, my coworker, after learning about microaggressions and the mental impact that it would have had on me. But also a week? Um, and is this news? Is this news? Is this news that... Um, this is their first exposure to the realities of racism for black people. Is that, was that, is that realistic? And, you know, what are they doing with this week off? Are they, I, 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 I'm not sure that, um, I guess, you know, fine, take the, the week. But when they come back, I, I think that there would need to be a broader conversation about um, now that you've had some moments to digest, you can't just go back to life as normal and can't go back to ignoring it. Because I think what had come out was that they said that they're not sure that they can participate anymore in any of these conversations because it's too traumatic for them, which is unacceptable. Frankly, I think I've talked about, you know, being actively not racist is not it's a good place to start. I mean, I'm not saying you that's not bad, but having to fight and end racism is your job. Your job as a person in with power and privilege, you need to end racism and create equality for all people. That's that's them's the <laughs> them's the facts. That's the deal. Um, that's your burden. You know, that's the burden I put on people white people with privilege is that you need to make sure that everybody has that privilege and everybody has that equality. You get don't get to sit this one out because it's damaging to your mental health. You need to find ways to cope and carry on and do anti-racist work. If that's that's the job, that's the task that is assigned to you, that is... Um, your ancestors burden that they placed on you that when we say that we as black people have to carry this trauma you don't get to pass it on to us to fix your problems you know what i mean um you have to do the work and so um i i I just i do have issue with that because um it's kind of just an easy out to say 
this is too much. So I'm stepping back. Like, absolutely. I get it. Um, dealing with this all the time. And it's something that we take as a group as taking care of our mental health, taking care of ourselves is something um, we take as a priority. But we do the work because it's important. Um, you know, we, we have to, and I, I, I think that's sort of where I want to end on a note here is that take care of your mental health, take care of yourself. But um, when it comes to anti-racism work, it needs to still happen. And the fight needs to, you need to keep fighting until there's equality for everyone. And that doesn't mean you can't take a break. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, stop thinking about it for a while, but you need to come back fresh and ready to fight again. And uh, that's what I do as a black person. You know, when I get hate coming at me, um, I take a break. I do what works for me to refresh myself, but I come back fighting. I come back swinging. You're not going to keep me down. And that applies to everybody. You need to come back and fight equality for everybody. So I can't believe uh, it's already been a full season. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure um, to uh, share my thoughts with you guys. Please, please, please uh, let me know. Um, I'm going to be thinking about uh, what's coming up in the fall. Um, I'll start new episodes coming up in the fall, but um, please share with me. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe um, so that you never miss an episode. And uh, please be safe, enjoy, and uh, the summer. Uh, and I will talk to you next time. <laughs>